Gracious Heavenly Father, you are our everything. Everything we are, everything that we have is because of who you are. And Father, we thank you. Thank you for being our king. Thank you for loving us in such a special and, and mighty way. Thanks for seeing us through events and things that seem impossible. Thank you for loving us in such a special and mighty way. Thank you for sending your son that gave up his life so that we can live. Paying the price that was meant for us to pay so that we can have a relationship with you. So, Father, as we open up your text this, here this morning, won't you speak to us through your word? Give me the words to say and how to say them this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. Um, we just started last week a new sermon series um, how to grow. Uh, my, our mission here at First Baptist Bolingbrook is for us to grow, thrive, and serve as a community of faith so that uh, not only we can grow here internally, but so that we can go and take this message out to those who need to hear it. So first, we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to thrive as a body of believers, and we want to serve Bolingbroke and the greater community. This is why God has put us here. This is why God has brought you here to, to uh, fellowship with us so that we can not only get to know Jesus for ourselves, but more importantly, we can go and tell others about Jesus and, and who he is. And so we, we started this series about uh, spiritual disciplines. And some people might have some feeling one way or another about the word discipline. Because typically, especially for the children in the room, we remember being children. When you were disciplined, that wasn't good. <laughs> that means you did something wrong and you had to be corrected. But when you look at discipline and the actual word, the actual meaning, you know, discipline is just uh, uh, focusing on something and, and progressing. So you can call it a, an exercise. You can call it a, a habit. But when you last week I talked about athletes and the discipline that they have to their craft, how much they go out and practice, and, and they do things over and over. Even the fundamentals, they never graduate from the fundamentals. They're always practicing. Musicians, artists, so on and so forth. Even you in your own career, you didn't just start doing what you're doing today as a job. You had to learn. You had to train. You had to get onboarded. You had to, on a year-by-year -year basis, continue to progress. And the same is true of us here in the church, that we're not just here to be bumps on a log, taking our assigned place in the pew. We have a job and a mission to do. So as we talk about spiritual disciplines, the most important practice that we can have is reading God's Word. You would expect the preacher to stand up to tell you to read God's Word, right? You got to read your Bible. And I keep saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying it until you start doing it. We need to read our Bibles. There's no equal. 
There's no substitute. You simply can't live a healthy Christian life apart from a diet of milk and the meat of Scripture. It is not possible. If you call yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, then you have to know him. And the way you know him is through his word. I've said it before about having a, a, a relationship, right? People say it's a relationship but not a religion. And it is both. But what relationship do you have in your life where you don't speak to the other person? What, what, how good a relationship would that be? Especially those of you who are married here today. I, I remember when Libby and I first met and we started talking to each other and spent time on the phone. We couldn't wait to talk to each other. You hang up. No, you hang up. We didn't do that. I don't think we did that. <laughs> Other people did that. But I wouldn't get, have been able to get to know her without having those conversations about understanding who she is, what her likes and dislikes are, what rubs her the wrong way, what, what jazzes her up. And through those conversations, we realize, oh, we're, we're meant to be. God has brought us together. And, and the same is true for God in, in your life. You need to be speaking to him. You know, people often talk about um, coming to church or they, they say this when they leave a church and they leave a church because they're not getting fed. That's an interesting term to me. The people come to a church talk about getting fed, but the reality is my job as your pastor is to uh, teach you how to feed yourself. That's my job. That's my role. Imagine this. If you only ate physical food on Sunday morning, some of y'all would be hangry all the time, malnourished, upset. So why, why do you think that you would wait only for an hour, one time a week for you to come and get spiritually fed? Why do you think that's okay? And some people don't do that. You're going to be hungry malnourished spiritually. And if you take this a little bit further, you know, talking about being fed, what is that about? If you look at even for children, you don't spoon feed them for their entire life, do you? Hey, boy, you better take this spoon and feed yourself. I got time to be holding this bottle up and feeding you this. You better, you better learn how to hold that spoon and this fork, Right? We want to encourage them and push them into being able to feed themselves. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 says this, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. Are you not, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So Paul here is explaining to the Corinthians that they are still infants in the Christian life because they weren't spiritually mature and healthy yet. They needed some, some work. They needed some education. They needed some training. So they were walking around arguing and having fits just like children. 
and allowing division to distract them. You see, immature Christians are controlled by their own desires, while mature Christians, they tune into God's wants and desires. Instead of thinking about me, 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 and what I want, what I need, they're thinking about God and and who he is and what he needs and what his desire is for my life. So the only way for you to know God's wants and desires is to get to know him and it's through his word. Like, well, I'll just come and hear you speak about him. That's not enough. Well, I'll watch some podcasts. I'll, I'll turn on TBN. You better not. You need to be in his word and get to know him. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews had to say about spiritual growth here in Hebrews 5 and 11. It says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. I love the way Scripture just breaks it down. I mean, if you, when you really read, when you get into the word and start reading it, you see, this stuff like this just cracks me up. I mean, how plain can you speak? The writer of Hebrews saying, hey, you guys don't even listen good. Pay attention. Do, do what I'm telling you to do. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I mean, just reading this, he said, since you have become dull of hearing, I'm going to explain it. Let me speak slower so you can understand. For, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, in verse 12, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, this is the progression that we see even in our own lives as we grow from babies to toddlers and children to teenagers, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I love a good steak, but I need to have the, the teachings and I need to have teeth in. I need to know what a proper steak looks like and to be able to enjoy it instead of, uh, you know, the, the baby food that we were once fed. We talk about nourishment and the things that come with it. So there are a few things in life where you can participate in where you don't grow in progress. That just isn't a thing in our culture. You are expected in every other facet of life to be able to be growing and improving and be becoming better, except for in the church. Is some people that have been coming to church for 10, 20, 30 years and still say, well, I, I don't feel comfortable talking about Jesus. I don't, I don't know enough to be able to share my faith with somebody. My question is, do you really have faith then? Do you really know? How can you sit here and listen to somebody preach for 20 years and walk away with nothing? where you can't even say, well, this is the reason why I go to church. This is why I follow Jesus. Let me explain the, the reason for the hope that's within me. So we really need to understand and we need to be introspective. We need to look at ourselves and really identify, hey, I call myself a Christian, but am I really? Do I really love Jesus enough to get to know him and spend my time with him? 
Or have I created all these idols in my life that, that take up the time? Oh, I got to get to work. Oh, I got to get to this place. I got to take my kids here and there. Oh, I got to study for something else. I don't have time. You don't have time not to. That is how important this is. And as we're in the midst of the holiday season, there's a lot of traditions that we have uh, growing up, right? When I was a kid, I remember uh, the, all the family gatherings that, that we would do, and um, it, it primarily centered around my grandparents. My grandparents would have everybody over and, you know, have my, my, my grandmother cooking and everything, and people would come over. It was just a time that I always looked forward to uh, every single year, and, and I don't miss too many meals, and it started back then, you know, when my grandma would make, you know, her dressing, Man, nobody can make a dressing like her or the banana pudding. That was my thing. And nobody can be my, my grandma's uh, banana pudding. And I would just look forward to that. That was my, my whole, I don't care if I get any gifts as long as it's banana pudding. <laughs> I was anxious and ready for that to happen. Then as, as we get older um, and grandma started to get a little slower and people had to step up. You know, some of my aunts and cousins had to, to learn the recipes and spend some years in training so they can get to a place maybe that, that grandma had. And fortunately for me, we got some good cooks in the family. So I asked some of my cousins, they, they, I mean, it's pretty, pretty spot on, if, if not pretty close when it comes to banana pudding, the way my cousin makes it. So I'm, I'm very happy and excited for that. But um, you know, what if nobody in the family took up that mantle? What if nobody took the time to, to learn under grandma, to, to say, hey, how can I help you? Or how do you make this? Or how do you make that? This is happening these days and may have happened to some of you where people don't prioritize getting together in the family gatherings like we used to. And if you do, it's not the same because of what grandma did and how she made everybody feel welcome and the, the, the spread on the table and things of that nature. Nobody knows how to make the macaroni and cheese no more. So here we are the same way, and, and it's unfortunate that families don't get together and carry on these traditions, but when we think about being a Christian and what that looks like for us, um, we, we have a similar trajectory where Jesus gave us the great commandment and he literally told us to carry on what he started. He, he says, I'm going to leave you, but this is what I want you to do. We see this in Matthew 28 and 19. It says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve, observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, and behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. So like the 12 who learned from Jesus as his disciples, we're also to be discipled. And we're supposed to take up this man. This was something that it was started then and it was supposed to continually happen over and over again. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and so on. That is our goal. That is our aim. We need to have people in our lives also that we are discipling. And that's the only way this works. I get trained and I train somebody else. They train somebody else. Hopefully you got a lot of somebody else's. 
so that people would know the name of Jesus. And let me tell you the benefit of this, not just for your own uh, aspect, right? So, well, I'm not sure, I'm not comfortable and all this kind of stuff. All you really need is to be two steps ahead of the person that you're meeting with. That's all you need. And let me tell you this, my points of greatest growth has been when I'm discipling somebody. Because they ask some questions like, oh, I, I don't know. I never considered that question. Let me go and find out. And through reading the scripture, going to the person who's discipling me, then I'm able to understand, oh, I get it now. So now I can go explain it to somebody else. So now they're growing. I'm growing. Hopefully the person who disciple me is growing. You see this chain? You see how this works? So we're not stuck in the same place. We are continuously growing and learning. So many times when Jesus is teaching, he starts off by saying, have you not read? Have you noticed that in the Bible? When Jesus is talking, have you not read? He is assuming that his audience, those who claim to be God's people, by the way, he's assuming that they know and they have read God's word. And so we're, we're all in different places here as, as those of you in the room, those of you who are online. And, and I recognize some of uh, more, more mature saints in the room and, and some are babes in, 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 the, in, the, in the room. And that's fine. That's great. But the, the goal is not for us to continue to stay where we are. So brothers and sisters, you've got to be in God's word on a regular basis in order to grow in your relationship with him. That's vital. That's important. That's how we grow. That's how we train to be disciples. The Bible is the way that God reveals himself to us. Again, this relationship, how we get to know God, how we understand who he is, his, his likes and, and dislikes, what he wants for us in our own lives. When we read the Bible, it tells us about God's law that shows us how we've broken it. As history unfolds through it, we see that uh, we are in desperate need of a Savior because we just can't stand up to God's perfect law. And so there's penalties for that, right? When you transgress or you do go against God and who he is, um, there's some discipline that, that comes in. There's some refinement that happens and takes place. Then we learn about the incarnation of Jesus who is God in the flesh. This is where God reveals himself and he sends his son to correct the issue that we have with sin. Jesus then lives a life free from sin and he dies as a willing substitute for each and every one of you. His life wasn't taken from him. He gave it up willingly so that you can live. What you rightly deserve, as good as you might think you are, what you deserve is death. Because Scripture says whenever you have transgressed against them, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's what we have to look forward to. And we also learn that when we repent and we believe in him, that's when we are made right with God. Living in sin 
separates us from God. But because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have been reunited with him. Then reading the Bible, we learn the ways and the will of the Lord. People like, what what is God's will for my life? Uh, What is my purpose in this world? And they think, well, I got to go travel the world to find out who I am. I got to figure this out. You're wasting time and money. You're not going to go find yourself out there in the ether. Who you are is who God says you are. We, we talk a lot about identities these days. The only identity that matters is your identity in Christ and who God says that you are. And you don't need to go nowhere to figure it out except for his word. You need to go to his word on a regular and daily basis in order to see and understand who he is and therefore understanding who you are. You can't find this information anywhere else. People have tried years over years trying to figure out uh, how to, to, uh, uh, to do whatever, to make themselves bigger, better, more important, more successful, to find, again, their purpose in life, and it's found right here. And when it doesn't work out, then you find ways to, to mask those things. When, you, when you're lonely and depressed and sad, you go to alcohol and drugs and whatever else to try to fill that, that God-sized hole that you have that only he can fulfill. Now, as we're talking about reading God's word, um, people are saying, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I'm, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. Like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. I get it. As your pastor, I'm supposed to say these things, right? But I want you to tune in. I want you to really understand. I want you to know how important it is to read your Bible. And this is not just something that is, is it might be good simply if you have time or anything like that. You know, I heard a joke that there, there will be a terrible dust storm if all the, the Christians and the, the people who claim, claim to be Christians who neglected their Bible, if at one time they decided to dust off their Bible at once. It would be a terrible dust storm across the world because that's how much dust has accumulated. So we not only need to honor God's word with our lips, but we need to also confess it with our hearts, with our hands, with our ears, with our eyes, with our minds, with all of our being, everything that we have, everything we are. We need to give it to God. So you can't afford to neglect time with God and his word. You just simply can't. The Bible is not just a book, it's the living word of God. And it's through reading and studying the Bible that we can hear God's voice and receive guidance for our lives. There are other people out there who want to go out and do these wacky things take these all kind of drugs that put you on a different plane and you get to hear from God and get some new revelation. Nah, that's crazy talk. We don't need any new revelation. The revelation that we have here is sufficient. And how do you know you need new revelation when you haven't seen the old one? (laughs) You haven't even read the Bible enough to know who God is to, to be going out and looking for something else. 
You can't do the, the plain things that we see in the Bible. I, how, why are you looking for something else? Again, the fundamentals. You need to start with those and continue on in, in order to grow. Psalm 119 and 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Otherwise, you're walking around in darkness. You claim to be a Christian, but don't read his word. How well do you really know him? You're stumbling around in the dark trying to find and, and stretch and grab for anything that you might be able to get when you simply just need to sit down with him. The Bible provides us direction and provides us wisdom and clarity on our journey with Christ. Look, how do I make the decision? What do I do next? And how do I do all this stuff? I mean, it's, it's all here. Now, he might not tell you what job to go to what other than the other. He's not going to say, hey, you need to work at this place specifically other than this place. But through what you read in the text, you will understand how you can honor God in either decision. What, what environment is going to help to draw me closer to the Lord and be able to share what he's doing in my life? That's what we need to be thinking about as we consider the, the roles, responsibilities, and decisions that we have in our lives. How can I honor God through this? Ultimately, you can go either way. And as long as you have God in mind and you're following him first and foremost. So, so let me make this practical. I mean, that's the goal of this, this sermon series as we go through. I, I want to be able to go through the rest of this year and start the, the, the beginning of next on a good foot so that you can take these principles and start to apply them to your lives so that we can grow, thrive, and serve. So the first thing I want you to consider is um, a way that you can hear God's word. So maybe you're not a reader. I understand that. That, that, not, that doesn't mean you, you don't have to read God's Word. But I want you to be able to hear God's Word. And those of you in the room have already got a head start. Those of you online are, are already understanding why this is important or what's important. Being a part of a local church is vital to your growth. This is, this is not a, a, an opinion. This is not uh, something that you may or may not do. You must be part of a local church. This is where the growth happens. Those of, um, for regardless of uh, where you are, where you're, you're coming from, you need to be with God's people uh, so they can help you to, to uh, they can encourage you, they can help to strengthen you. You know, I was a member of Bedside Baptist for a long time before I became a pastor. Because my thing was, well, I can just read the word on my own. What do I need other people for? And there was a misreading, well, at the time it wasn't a reading at all, <laughs> a misreading of the text or a lack of reading on my part to know that God has put us together as a body of believers for a specific goal and a specific reason, because this is not a Lone Ranger Christianity. I love how Paul uses the metaphor of uh, the body of Christ and, and how well do you operate without a part of your body. If somebody were to take your arm away from you, if you're right-handed, especially if you're a right arm, how would your body function without your right arm? How would your body function without a foot? And say what you like about your pinky toe, but 
You'll feel some difference if you didn't have one. And the same is true of us in the body of Christ. When one or each of us is not operating the way we're designed, it affects the entire body. The entire body has to compensate. And we have to uh, learn how to do things a different way because not all the, the, the members are functioning rightly. So we need to regular, regularly be in a place that faithfully preaches God's word and is vitally important. And the only way you know if a place preaches God's word faithfully is to read your Bible. Because there's a lot of churches out here. And I'm in a bubble as a, as a pastor. I know a lot of great pastors. I know a lot of great churches. But it's hard out here trying to find a good church that faithfully preaches the Bible. You know, when I'm away, I like to go and visit other churches. And, you know, sometimes it blows me away when you walk in and, and the pastor never opens up the Bible. I was at one church here recently, and we got uh, halfway into the sermon. I'm like, where's the scripture? I mean, this is all cool stuff to know, but what does God say about it? And at the very end, there was a few scriptures thrown in there. I'm like, I mean, what is this, a cleanup crew? Like, you, oh, I got to put in some scripture because, I mean, I'm a pastor. <laughs> no, I want to hear first what God says what thus says the Lord, because that's all that matters. In my opinion, doesn't matter. I don't want you to leave here talking about what Pastor Vaughn's opinion is. I want you to leave here saying, this is what I learned about God, and this is what he said to me today through his word. Luke 11 and 28 says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So not just being able to hear it, but also to keep it. And if you remember our time in Romans, Romans 10 and 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you got to be able to hear it. We live in a culture where people who consider themselves Christians, they don't prioritize worshiping with the saints. And that's a fatal flaw. You've got to be in the midst of God's people. People say, well, I don't need to go to church to worship God. I hear this pretty often. They say, they can, I can worship God on the golf course. I can go worship God uh, out while, while I'm hunting. And sure, you can certainly worship God wherever you are, but ongoing worship of God can't be separated from the Word of God. So unless you are hearing God's Word out on the golf course, that's not a proper form of worship. So one question you might have is, well, how, how often do I need to do this? Like, you tell me to read the Bible, like, I mean, what's the, what's the bar here? <laughs> what does that look like for us? So let me pose this question back to you. How often do you face problems in your life? Every day? Well, how often do you face temptation? Every day? How often do you need instruction on decisions in your life? Every day? How often do you need encouragement? Every day? So here's how D.L. Moody answered this question. He says, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future 
than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain his life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless tour of grace from day to day as we need it. Like I said, if, if you were able to eat enough to sustain you the entire week, then maybe you, that would work out, but we know it doesn't. We know we got to eat food, we got to drink water every day to sustain ourselves. And so the same is true as we look at the Word of God. Every time that you are bombarded with life and what it has for you, you got to have Scripture there. And now I know it can be intimidating to pick up and start reading this. This is a, I mean, many people have not read a book this thick. It's a lot. It's a lot of words in here. I mean, this one book comprised of 66 books, and this is a lot. So I get it's intimidating. You know, well, what do I do? Where do I start? Uh, when we start in Genesis, and oh my goodness, and the begots, and the do all this, and man, I, don't, I can't pronounce half this stuff. What do I do? So the, the average audio book, or the average audio Bible, is, is takes about 100 hours to listen through. So if you listen every day to an audio Bible, um, that breaks down to about 17 minutes per day. So you think you can find 17 minutes? You can find 17 minutes in your day to listen and hear God's Word. And here's what I do. Uh, sometimes I have a, a problem focusing. And, and so having a physical Bible for me, I know it's old school but having something in my hands is very handy. And in order to still keep my focus, I listen to the audio while I read. And so while I read, I can, my mind wanders, or even while I'm listening, sometimes I'm doing something else. So doing two at the same time really helps me to focus. And that's what I personally do, because I know me, to be able to spend time and for it to be valuable with the Lord. That's what I need to do. So I'd encourage you to think about something like that. Or those of you who are driving to work and your commute at work, you got Bluetooth in your car, you can use a Bible app called YouVersion, and it will read the Bible to you on your commute. That counts. That, that's fine. That, that works. Consider this. The, the average American watches three hours of television a day three hours. Netflix subscribers watch about three hours of content a day. The average person watches about 46 minutes of YouTube a day. And the same is true of TikTok. TikTok is the short form videos from, you know, uh, 30 seconds to a few minutes. People are watching 46 minutes of these short videos. And that's a lot of videos. So how much time do you spend mindlessly scrolling on your phone? Don't answer out loud. How much time do you spend playing games on your phone? I'm not trying to shame you or make you feel bad. I, I just want you to take an assessment. So, so don't, don't walk away bent out of shame. Just take an assessment of the way you spend your time and find 17 minutes to be with the God of the universe. I, have to, I had to do this on my own. Like, 
How do I find this different time with, with multiple jobs and things that I got to do and a family and, and I need some rest sometime? Like, how do I find time? And it's not about finding, it's about making. And we'll make time for the things that are important to us. The things that we value, we will make time for. I'm trying to show you that you can redeem some or all of the time in your life. I'm sure you can find 17 minutes to read or to listen to the Bible. So brothers and sisters, I want you to discipline yourselves to find this time, to make this time to meet with God in his word. So here's, here's my challenge for you. Surprise. Every week I'm going to give you something to do. Because it doesn't matter if you come and just listen to what I'm saying. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's good. And walk away and don't do anything. I've had a challenge um, doing training uh, for my job and other, other things, but never putting it to practice. And it was just a waste of going through the training because I never did anything with it. This is more important than anything else that you can do in your lives. So I want you to go. I want you to be able to practice this starting today, starting this week. Here's my challenge. I want you to find a, a regular time to start or restart this practice of reading God's Word in your life. I want you to find a specific time. And I'm like, oh, Pastor, I'm busy. I don't know if I can find a, a, a same time every day. Make time. Do it. Find a regular time for you to start or restart this and try to, find a, make, try to make it a time that's not before bed. That's, that's probably the easiest one, right? Well, before I go to sleep, I'm just going to... You can do that, but when the, you had a long day and you're tired, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and the page is all in your, in your, in your face. And, well, try to find a time outside of that so that you can spend. And even better, if you can find a place in your house and, and that, that's designated. This is my Bible reading chair. I'm going to put my Bible here. And if you want to get fancy, you want to start making notes, you, you use those different senses, it's going to help out even better. So I'm going to put my notepad here. My pen is all ready to go. So when I get here, I can wake up early. I can come in the middle of the day and come right after work, whatever it is, sit down in my Bible chair and spend my time with God. That's what I would like for you guys to do this week. Spend this week trying to find different times or different places or different spaces and find what appeals to you. You can practice this week, right? So if, if getting, early, getting up early, you can try it and it's not your thing, that's okay. Or maybe your lunchtime. Like, okay, I, I think I could do this during lunch on a regular basis. Or I got to get up from my desk around, you know, afternoon anyway. I got the itis after lunch, so I want to get up and go do something else. Right? Find a time this week. Each day, try something different and see what works for you. And if you're married and, or have children, bonus if you do it together. If you get together with your family, you can knock out multiple birds with one stone. You can all spend time together in God's Word getting to know Him. And so when you read, it's helpful also to have a reading plan. So a plan uh, helps you to stay on track, and 
it's an encouragement when you, you're able to look back and see what you cover. So we're currently in a two-year reading plan going through the Bible. Um, email me if you would like a copy of that. You could jump in now. If you haven't done it all year, that's fine. You know, we, we're going to spend, continue to spend time in God's Word together. But there's tons of plans. So this is, the plans we're doing is a Bible in, a, in two years. You do a Bible in a year. You could do a study for specific books of the Bible. But you need to have a plan. Not just so you can tick things off, but you can hold yourself accountable and be able to, again, be encouraged like, oh, man, I, I read three-fourths of the Bible already. And for some of you, it might be the first time. So please remember that reading the Bible is not just a task in your to-do list. It is a vital spiritual discipline, and it leads to transformation. If you start today reading your Bible, this time next year, you won't be the same person. And we'll be able to see, you, you'll have testimony of, of what God has done for you in your life. The things that you've learned, how you've grown. And you'll be so excited, you want to tell somebody else. You want to make sure that they know. So as you read and study the Word, you open up yourself to receiving God's truth and allowing it to shape and guide your life. So... Again, it's important for you to take time in your life to prioritize the reading of the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it. Who's up for the challenge? Nobody? Three people? Okay, all right. Now, I really want you to raise your hand. Who's up for the challenge? Find a time and a place this week that you can dedicate to reading your Bible and to make a habit, a daily habit. It only takes 17 minutes a day. You're welcome to do more, but let's start off with 17 minutes and go from there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for providing us with your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us so that we can know who you are, not just for our own selves and what you'll do for us in our own lives, but so that we can go and share the good news with those who need to hear it. Father, I'm, I'm excited about those who have just committed to or, or recommitted to, to reading your word so that they can grow in their relationship with you. And I'm looking forward to what you will do for them in, in their own lives, how you will open them up and they will be able to see uh, life through a different lens. Father, help us to do that. Uh, we're all busy. We all struggle to find time for different, different things. But Father, put it, put it in our hearts, put it in our minds to, to do this and to spend quality time with you. So Father, we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.